the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Romans chapter 11. First, let me refresh you on the context of of what we're talking about. These are Paul's letters to the Romans, to to the fellowship in Rome, a people he really had never met at that point. And this fellowship that he's writing to is predominantly a Gentile fellowship. And Paul is discipling them via his letters. Now, the thing you've got to remember, guys, and most of you here have heard the gospel, either probably by radio and probably by television and probably through the people around you and possibly through the Bible that you own and then through, through church and through religious friends. You've heard all manner of ways it's come to you and you live in a Christian nation. And up until recently, that's what we were. And we prayed in our schools, and and there was actually at one time there was a prayer at the end of the day of the television broadcasting station. I don't know if y'all remember that, but you know that that was part of who we were as a nation, and it it's been ingrained in us. But these people didn't have that; they didn't have any of that. These are Gentiles, predominantly Gentiles, and remember they did not have Scripture. They had no Bible education. They had no history with this God whatsoever. The only thing they knew about this God was what the Spirit of God had revealed to them through their lives and through the lives of the people around them. So when Paul begins to disciple them through the letters, he speaks directly concerning Israel. And you know why he talks about Israel. We've talked about this. This God was the God of the Jews. That's how he was known. If you wanted to know who Jehovah was, you had to ask a Jew. Because they were his people. They were the keepers of his law. They were the builders of his temple. The Jew knew Jehovah God. And these Gentiles who have been introduced into the saving life of Christ, who have received Jesus as their Savior, who have received the Spirit of God, had no history with God. So all of this is new. They live in an interesting time. They see what they believe to be God's people actually set aside by God. It seems that God has rejected the Jew, that he set him aside because they rejected his son, the Messiah. They had, in fact, nailed him to a cross as a blasphemer. 
So has God cast the Jew out? Has he made null and void his promises to them? Has he broken his covenants? The question is, if he can reject the Jew, could he reject the Gentile also? Can you see how that question would be a reality in their minds? Can you see how they might have wondered? Well, certainly the enemy wouldn't have missed the opportunity to bring that out. Israel rejected Jesus the Messiah and turned their backs on him, but did that cancel God's promises to them? No, of course not. God has a plan. He has a plan. One of the greatest securities we have as the children of God is knowing that we are in the plan of God. We're not wandering aimlessly. I know it may seem that way. I know we get off track. I know we enter into sin. I know we, we, we fall into rebellion. And we often feel like, I've heard people say, I've lost my way. But the reality of it is, is that we are the children of God, the sheep of his pasture. And it, he is the good shepherd. Would he be a good shepherd if he let his sheep all run off a cliff? Would he be a good shepherd if he invited them into the briar? No. He is the good shepherd. The difference is that we don't understand what God is. We are blinded to what God is doing in our lives. Now, let's look at God's plan. What about the Gentile? Let's look at Romans eleven eleven. So I ask, Paul's writing, So I ask, have they stumbled so far as to fall to their utter spiritual ruin irretrievably? He's speaking of the Jew. By no means. But through their false step and transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to arouse Israel to see and feel what they forfeited, and so to make them jealous. So I ask, of course that's a rhetorical question, which he does not expect an answer to, but he's proving a point. The Jews stumbled over Christ, but they didn't stumble out of reach. God's temporary setting aside of, of Israel was not an outburst of anger or, or a punitive measure. It was part of the overall plan of God that incorporated Israel's rejection. Wow, how can he do that? Well, he's God. And the interesting thing that you're going to see as we go further is that God operates on a different level than we do. In fact, he's not constrained by time. He operates outside of time. Time is an invention for us. God had given them a spiritual stupor, but it was never intended to be permanent. This spirit of stupor and this blindness that God gave them is not the cause of Israel's rejection, but the result of it. Now listen to that, because that's an ongoing deal. The spiritual stupor and blindness was not the cause of their rejection. It was not, but the result of it. Their hearts were hardened because they rejected the truth. It doesn't mean that they can't receive. Obviously, Paul was a Jew, and he received. And we know Jews today that are, have received. Paul, in his missionary journeys, had always gone to the Jew first in the hope that he might win a few of his countrymen, but typically he was rejected and persecuted. And he actually stopped this after Romans. The severe stumbling that Paul is referring to is Israel's rejection, rejection of her Messiah, Jesus Christ. Israel's rejection of, of God's own son didn't change God's plan for them. 
It didn't change God's plan for him. God used the rejection of Israel to accomplish his divine objective. God had made a covenant with Israel, and he would fulfill his promises to them regardless of their behavior, and that's how faithful our God is. Here's the reality of it. Most Christians never get very much past the idea that they've been saved from their sins and that because of Jesus Christ, God is somehow tolerating them till that great day when he can finalize his work and make them somebody he can be proud of, taking them into heaven where they'll never shame him again. That's the emotional concept that a lot of Christians have of their relationship with the Lord. So it's little wonder that they feel this great distance between the God of their salvation. And they sing songs like, well, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be, because we'll be done with this mess down here. And you know what? There is some truth in that. But you know what? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And he wasn't speaking about heaven. That's right. He was speaking about here. Does that describe your Christian life? Abundant? Well, if it doesn't, it's simply because you've been blinded. You've been in a spiritual stupor. But God is always working to lift the scales from our eyes, to get us to see past this stuff to the great abundance that he has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. God's covenant with Israel was based on God, not based on Israel. He would fulfill his promises regardless of their behavior. You know, it reminds me of Joseph. You remember Joseph in Genesis, the Old Testament? The Joseph with the coat of many colors that was thrown into the well. Well, his brothers had sold him into, a, into slavery and literally had left him for dead. But the one they had abused and rejected became their savior. Genesis chapter 50, verses 20 and 21 says this. As for you, you thought evil against me. This is Joseph talking to his brothers who had come to him to beg for forgiveness because their father had died and they were now living in Egypt under the rule of their brother. They thought for sure that it would be at this time that, that Joseph would exact his revenge. And he says to them through weeping eyes, he says, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. Now, I want you to listen to verse 21, because in verse 21, we have the new covenant. And it says, now, therefore, understand this. Understand now that I have received you unto myself. Do not be afraid. I will provide for and support you and your little ones. And he comforted them, imparting cheer, hope, strength, and spoke to their hearts kindly. That is your God. The one whom we thought to have abused beyond being accepted on any level. That is your God who's cleared every obstacle, that he might care for you, that he might embrace you, that you might know him. No, don't let the enemy cause you to fear him. Don't let the enemy 
cause you to believe that there's somehow a separation and that his love for you is somehow based on what you do for him. Israel might reject God, but God would not reject Israel. He would take their rejection and cause it to work for good. Now, is that not the faithfulness of God? It's Romans 8, 28, isn't it? He took all of their failures and mistakes, their rebellion and disobedience, and he is taking it and he is working it for good, just like he's doing it in your life, because it was your rebellion, it was your mistakes, it was your failures, and even to this day, it is your sin that drives you to him. And we go before him, oftentimes with tears, pleading, asking him, forgive us. And you know what he says? Be not afraid, for I am going to care for you. I'm going to keep you unto myself. You see, Jesus has already paid it all. He's paid it all. He removed every obstacle. He fuses all of our failures so that at the right time, even before we knew him, he used all of our behaviors so at the right time we would receive him and receive his salvation. From the beginning, Israel was to be the instrument to bring salvation to the world. They were chosen for this. Just as Mary was chosen to birth Jesus, Israel was chosen to bring salvation to the world. And this was plan A. It was never plan B. The Lord told Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, he says to Abraham, and I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. In you, all the families. What families does that include? All. He wasn't just talking about the Jews. He was literally giving the covenant of Abraham the focus that it was going to have. It would not just be to the people of Israel. Through Israel would come the salvation of the world. Israel was to be God's spiritual ambassadors to the world, a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19, 6 says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, consecrated, set apart to the worship of God. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. And they were to be a light to the nations. Isaiah 49, 6 says, He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of judgments of Israel. I will also give you for a light to the nations that my salvation may extend to the end and of the earth. Now, do you believe that their failure cost them all that God had created them to be? Do you believe that their failure cost them the covenant that he made with them? Do you believe that God had no foreknowledge of the Jews' rejection, that God made promises that he couldn't keep? Or do you believe that God knew of their rejection and God made promises that he knew he wouldn't have to keep? Do you believe any of those things? No. The truth is that God's covenants are not based on man, specifically Israel, but they are based on God. God's promises are true. And are based on the working of his will. Now listen. The falling away of the Jews. Was to be the invitation to the Gentiles in the world. 
The Jews had, according to God's plan, brought salvation to the world through their rejection of Jesus. They began with the crucifixion, right? That's where it all began. And it continued as they pushed away the gospel and drove its message to the Gentiles. Now, God's sovereign will, his plan, is worked out through the free will of man. Do you see that? God's sovereign will is worked out through the free will of man. Israel rejected him. They rejected Christ and drove the gospel out. So the gospel went to the Gentiles. The sovereignty of God continues. Could it have gone differently? Could it? Yes. It could have gone differently. Israel could have embraced the Messiah. They could have received him unto themselves. And then they could have gone forth and brought the salvation to the nations. They could have walked in his abundance. They could have lived in his liberty. They could have known his blessing. They could have seen the fulfillment of the scriptures that they had memorized for centuries. They could have seen the fulfillment of his prophecies to them. It could have all become real. What was just black ink on paper now suddenly would become alive. And they would enter into the plan of God in all of its fullness. And they would be electric with the life of Christ. That's what could have happened. But why didn't it happen? Did God will for it to go a different way? No. But Israel did. They chose to reject Jesus, the Messiah. They chose to embrace their system of, of laws and man's righteousness. And because they did, did it mess up God's plan at all? Did it? No. What did it mess up, really? It messed up a lot of people's lives who could have embraced the truth and walked in liberty and freedom, but chose not to. That was the choice of the Jew. What is yours? You see, God is sovereign, but he works in the free will of man. We all have a choice to make. Will we live to this flesh? Will we preserve this flesh at the expense of the truth that God has given us? Will we sacrifice abundance for worldly understanding and worldly prosperity and worldly perspective? Will we see this flesh as the beginning and the blessing of all things? Will we live to that flesh or will we live to the Spirit? It's your choice. In addition, the acceptance of salvation given through Christ to the Gentiles created a jealousy among the Jews, and it was a domino effect. The Messiah comes through the Jew, and they reject him. So through their rejection, they send an invitation to the Gentile world to receive salvation. Through the salvation of the Gentiles, they see the relationship that they have with God. They see the heart that they have with God. They see what is real. They see life. And they are jealous. And those who have, truly have a heart to receive God come forward to know him. Those who only wanted to preserve their religious system continued to be blind and embittered. Now, this is a very simple tactic. And I remember using it with our children. You know, it's still used. It was like this. You got one kid you corrected, right? And they're all mad and sullen. They're standing over in the corner. And you're over here with the rest of them, and you're playing. My wife does this all the time because she teaches children. And you're playing with the kids, and you're having a good time. But all the while, you're saying, don't you want to come over here? 
Don't you want to play with us? See, everybody's having a good time. Don't you want to play? This is what God's doing. He's literally illustrating the truth of the life that he'd given to the people, to the Gentiles, what he had designed and desired for even the Jew first. And he's saying, don't you want this life? Don't you want this? It's a choice. What keeps them over there? Choice. See, tactics don't change much over the years. God didn't drive the Jew away. They ran away from God. God's desire for them was that they would choose what he'd prepare for them, but they chose only what they had built for themselves. They chose only what they could keep for themselves, only what they could protect themselves, only what they could maintain themselves. You see, there's an abandonment in this life. Faith requires a trust in a God who is faithful. Faith says that if I lose my job tomorrow, my God is still my provider. Faith says that though the whole world would reject me, God still accepts me. Faith says, though this body may be falling apart, I am whole in Christ and I have a great physician who holds me by the word of his power. Faith says, nothing can take my life from me for my life is hidden in Christ. Faith says, nothing can condemn me for there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Faith says, my life has purpose because Ephesians 2.10 tells me, before the foundations of the world, he has set a path for me and has prepared me for the good works that he has set before me. Faith says, I have every reason to rejoice. I have every reason to hope. I have every reason to be glad. I have every reason to know that tomorrow holds an even greater and brighter hope for me because it's one day more that I get to walk and commune with the one who gives me life. I wake up with joy because I wake up with him. I go to bed with peace because I sleep with the Prince of Peace. You see, these things are not made real to us through the things we do. They're made real to us through faith. They are the reality we must choose. You see, it would have been a huge step for them to accept salvation alongside of the Gentiles, people they considered to be subhuman and referred to as dogs. It would have been humiliating to some degree to set aside their standing in flesh. But the invitation is still open to all who will believe. And you know what will draw them? You know what the Spirit of God is using to draw them? The undeniable relationship that Christians have is the tool that the Spirit most often uses to awaken their need. It's Him that they see in you that piques their interest, that draws them. But don't kid yourself. God is not taking them from the realm of choice. They choose over and over again. He pursues them like an unrequited lover. Romans eleven twelve. Now, if their stumbling, their lapse, their transgression has so enriched the world at large, and if Israel's failure means such riches for the Gentiles, think what an enrichment and greater advantage will follow their full reinstatement. Now, God has and continues to use every failure. So Israel refused to believe, so they couldn't see the work of God. 
To recognize the work of God around you, you have to have some familiarity with his heart. If you refuse to trust his love, you will then never see his love in your circumstances. Here's the way it works. If you refuse to put your hope and your trust in him, preferring rather a distant relationship, then you won't see him in the circumstances of your life. You won't be able to rejoice even in the good things, much less the difficult ones. He will seem distant and uncaring to you because of your unbelief. The result of that will cause every mistake, every failure of your life to seemingly widen the gap between you and him. The distance will seem insurmountable, but it is all a matter of your perception. Because if you are a child of God, there is no separation. None. This is the lie that the enemy continually brings to you. That somehow you are less spiritual than perhaps the other guy. That somehow you're less spiritual than Paul. Less spiritual than Peter. Less spiritual than the people you see around you. That somehow you could not embrace the fullness of his life because you don't have that spiritual discipline, that spiritual discernment. Let me tell you, a new creation in Christ is in union with the very life of Christ and has all the blessings of God in Christ within him. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.